Hello, welcome to the MagLife Podcast. I'm Daniel Shaw, and I'm here with somebody that you're probably familiar with if you've uh, ever been on YouTube and looked at gun videos and that kind of stuff. You'll probably run across a person out there in the training space named Mickey from Carry Trainers. So, Mickey, glad to have you. Thanks for joining me. I'm glad to be here. Do you think anybody actually does know if they would they would recognize me? I'm sure there's people out there, you know, at least one or two, probably, kind of, you know, either haters or lovers. You know, we, we all have both, right? True. Thank you for having me. Always a, always an honor when somebody wants to chat. Yeah, man. Uh, so I, I guess just real quick, those that don't know who you are, haven't called any of your videos or see what you do in training and traveling around and teaching, uh, give us a quick little overview of, of what Carry Trainer is and, and who you are. Would, would be happy to. Uh, I would say that the synopsis is uh, reality-based training for real people. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, I, I feel that in this space, which 20 years ago didn't exist, even 10 years ago it didn't exist, I've been a student of martial arts, which training with guns to me is a martial skill uh, for my whole life. Uh, 30-plus years I've trained in various martial skills. Uh, it's become very commercialized and uh, watered down in a in a million different ways. And I am uh, very blessed to have trained with some pioneers in, in this uh, space. I don't want to say industry because it's not an industry. Uh, to me, it's not. Uh, just like college is not an industry. So we've tried to take the hard-learned lessons, which often were learned with bloodshed, and pass them on in a way that is uh, compartmentalized where it needs to be, broad where it needs to be, but but straight to the point. There's a lot of stuff that has been created, packaged, and sold because it uh, can be packaged and sold and generates revenue. So that's the long and the short of it. I want to take everyday moms, dads, normal people, and give them skills to protect themselves and their loved ones. No, I like that outlook. I mean, you may not think of it as an industry, but there certainly are some people, and there's certainly some colleges who think of it as an industry. You know, the degree mills out there, and we I've seen the same thing in the in the gun world too. And I'm sure you've been training in martial arts as long as you have. You have seen plenty of the snake oil salesmen and everything else in the martial arts game. Yeah, man. I, I, I bring up the industry thing because it's a tossed around term. Like guys, uh, you know, industry guys are in the industry or, you Every know, industry does I that, got though. in the industry. Whether it's film or tech. But I like to point out that uh, because you're driving around and teaching people to shoot pistols, that does not make you part of an industry. Um, and industry to me is like uh, the steel industry or the biomedical industry. Uh Industry produces something. Industry creates and innovates. That's what makes something an industry, in industrialization. And oftentimes in this space, it's hobbyists trying to earn a living by doing something that they feel is sexy or uh, glorifies themselves. And I'm guilty of that. I look back at content that we created years ago, and I thought to myself at the time, like, how cool is this, man? Like, here I am on the film with a you know, a gun or, a, you know, cool lights and we've got all this. And we, in many ways, were some of the first people generating 
uh, training content to try to pass on some of this stuff. Years ago, we've been doing it, and there's plenty of people that are in that space that do it, but the model that we created, which was uh, not film something to sell something, but film something that if somebody never meets me and never pays me a dime, they can get value from it. That's something that we still do. I mean, we've got thousands of hours of content on the internet and the reason I bring that up isn't to pat myself on the back. It's uh, just saying, like, I, I don't want to put something out there just to say, like, ooh, look at we can film cool crap running around with guns. Like, that doesn't – that's entertainment. That's not providing somebody some value. So what do, why do you do it? Why do you – you put all that free content up there online and everything else? Because regardless of what people think, the world is is a dangerous place. It is safer than it's ever been. I'm a huge fan of history, uh, our history, world history, but very much our history here in the Americas. Uh, we are safer now than we've ever been. And yes, if you look at like crime stats as they ebb and flow through cities, they ebb and flow. But if you study history uh, of things like uh our landing here in the Americas in the 15-1600s, if you look at things like even the early 20th century, millions and millions and millions of people died at the hands of uh, tyrants. And nowadays that doesn't happen. You know, even the, the horrors of the war on terror that have gone on for the last 20 years, you're talking about thousands of deaths, not millions, uh, which is tragic and horrible. But I bring that up because I think because we are so insulated now in this modern world, we're insulated from uh, things like a heck last night. I was just reading about uh, during the revolution, John Adams, his greatest fear of a standing army, his greatest fear was uh, smallpox because at the time smallpox just ravaged people. And check this out the way that they vaccinated people at the time. I'm trying to answer your question. I think this will help was they would take somebody that had smallpox and you would have little pustules all over your body, which is little pussy blisters, and the person would be on the downside of the infection. They would take the person that needed the vaccine or to be inoculated, and they would slice open their arm and take a quill, so a freaking feather, right? And they'd dip it into the pus of the of the infected person's uh, uh, pustule and smear that pus into the, the, uh, wound that they'd cut open on the uninfected person to give them a, uh, low dose of smallpox where the person's body, cause pustule means that there's white blood cells. So the body had already started fighting. Could you imagine doing that stuff now? Like we would never think to do that. And in this modern world, we are so insulated from crap like that. This last year, I think has illustrated how easily off off kilter we are put by things uh, going awry. Uh, something happens like a car wreck in one of our lives, and that becomes this, this uh, I call them bookmarks. It's a bookmark moment in our life. Like, remember that time mom got in the car wreck? Or do you remember when so-and-so had cancer? Or do you remember when we lost grandpa? There's these bookmarks. 50 or 100 or 500 years ago, people had this kind of crap happen on the daily. Now we have five or 10 of those moments. 9-11 was a big bookmark moment or or uh, Pearl Harbor or D-Day where there's these huge events uh, that that overcome and overwhelm us. It's we're, 
we're so insulated from that. So now in this modern world, when something bad happens, a bad guy shows up to rob you, rape you, hurt you, we're just not used to it. And we don't have simple, basic tools to deal with it. I've lost friends to murder. Uh, it's a very weird statistical anomaly, I think. But I know more than five people that I knew personally that were murdered, that are dead. Uh, the two of them were young females, all five unrelated. There's actually more than five of people that I know, but five of them I knew well. Uh, and I didn't grow up in the inner city. These are not like gang related crimes. I didn't grow up in Colombia during, you know, the drug wars. I grew up in a sleepy, pretty rural, uh, suburban area northwest of Chicago. Like these things visit us and we can't insulate ourselves and protect ourselves from all of those things, but we can do certain things. And so I think um, we've lost our way in that. I think we've lost our way in how we teach our young. I was with some people the other day and I'll shut up and let you talk, but they were complaining about how hot and humid it was. And it was just, that was the topic of conversation for five minutes. It was 80 degrees and probably 85% humidity, big fricking deal. You know, like we're so comfortable with air conditioning and ice cold water coming out of the tap and hot water when it's time to shower and push a button on the wall and hot air or cold air blows out of the vents and you get in the car and don't have to walk and you can listen to music. And just we're so insulated from the, the vicissitudes of life, the ups and downs. The There's no wolves chasing us anymore and we're soft. That's what I'm saying. No, it's funny. Like my, my first... um the initial invasion in Iraq, I was there for about six months and then got back on ship to float back home. And I, I went to the chow line to get some like hot food that I haven't had in six months. And I got to the drink area and uh, I pushed the button and an ice fell out. And like I pushed the button again and an ice fell out again. And I was like, man, this is crazy, man. Like we can push buttons and, and ice falls out. Like I haven't had ice in, in six months. Like, I didn't, haven't seen it. Like I haven't had anything cold. I drank hot water, you know, everything. So it was, um, that took like two showers, and those were one of them, and one of those with with water bottles, and um, the other one was with like the makeshift shower thing set up. But the uh, it we have no idea how how good we have it. And the thing about you know, let me talk. You're more than welcome. Like I, my favorite is when a guest talks and like I don't have to do anything, keep rolling. You know, it's like the worst whenever you got you can't get anything out of them. So you're doing the opposite. So that's the best. Um, I can talk. Yeah. No, it's all good. Uh, the um, you know, there's some interesting things in there that that, that you were saying. I, I worry. Actually, I wrote something. My my old high school. You know, actually, I went to kindergarten there, middle school and high school. Um, one of the people who run the social media there was like, "Hey," and it's a tiny school. I graduated with four people in my class. Private Christian school, tiny, tiny. Um, Where was this at? What what state? Uh, North Carolina, in just outside okay. of Greensboro, North Carolina. I grew up in Greensboro. I went sure, to school sure. in a little town called Level Cross, where Richard Petty's from. And, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. yeah. So they, they, they said, Hey, will you write something for nine 11, you know, about, you know, your experience with that or, you know, anything that you want to just, you know, we would like to have somebody that's alumni that's, you know, connected to this in some way. And, you know, I'm retired Marine. So they're like, will you write something. And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, so I did. And, uh, you know, I don't know how I ended up there, but something that's really important to me in raising kids and influencing people who listen to this podcast and people who, you know, follow me online and, uh, and my friends and relatives is promoting the idea of warriorship and, and what it means to be a warrior. And, and I'm not talking about what, 
what Hollywood thinks a warrior is. You know, I'm not talking about just a guy who fights. Like it's not John Wick. It's not Tom Cruise. It's not. It is. It is the the virtues that make a warrior a warrior. And uh, these are are good quality virtues. And and I was trying to explain that a little bit in here that I thought I believe that we're we're losing warriors at a faster rate than we're forging new warriors. And because our society has kind of lost its um, its understanding of how important warriors are in a warrior culture, and not just in fighting our nation's battles, but as school teachers, as coaches, as as friends, as family members, as church members, as whatever it is that you're doing, uh, just having that that brotherly love, that um, willingness to face adversity, adaptiveness, flexibility, uh, mm-hmm. mercy. You know, the, the things that make a warrior a warrior, not everybody in the military is a warrior, not everybody who fights is a warrior, right? It's like, it's like those things, those, those principles, those virtues are a lot of things that, that we're lacking. And there's a lot of, I believe there's a lot of correlation in, in not, no longer, the, the, there's cultures in history who glamorize warriorship in the right ways. And not, not talking about murderous people, like actual warriors, um, They've thrived. They've done really well. And we did that early in, in America, and we've, we've kind of lost our, our direction and our understanding of how important those are. So instead of fostering that, we have attacked it and called it toxic masculinity and all kind of other things. And mm-hmm. I think that's very dangerous for our youth and very dangerous for, for our country in the future. I don't disagree. Kind of brings you me back to the question you asked me of why we do what we do. Uh, first of all, I'm not a veteran. I'm not a, a, a war fighter or anything of that nature. I, I grew up, also went to a private Christian school like you, but I grew up uh, with a certain code that was passed on to us and in, in ethos, if you will. Right. And it, for me, it wasn't uh, a warrior's code by any means. But one thing that I, my, my parents were not perfect, and I'll say that to their face. Uh, there's things I've talked about in, in other discussions about my childhood that i probably don't want to taint this discussion with, but the one thing that they did was they were uh, servants of people. They wanted to help people. And I see in this industry, there's a lot of people. i got a friend's shirt on today. I put it on. This is a buddy of mine that's a SWAT cop up in NorCal. Ten Zero Concepts is the company. And I just happen to have it on, but I think it's fitting to talk about. He's a guy that will spend his free time helping cops be safer uh, for the sake of being safer because it makes the community better. And we've got all these people now that have jumped into this space in the last five years, but three years especially. Many of them are, are veterans. Uh, many of them have great life experience. And I say this to guys' faces all the time, because you are a Navy SEAL doesn't mean that you have skills that are applicable uh, to training Susie Homemaker and how to carry a gun. It uh, doesn't mean that that person doesn't, but to the best of my knowledge, and I know many special operations guys, including Navy SEALs, they're not teaching guys to uh, covert carry in purses in the SEAL teams. And that's not a dig. But that person then needs to go out and develop new training doctrines that are applicable to the uh, people at hand, that, that whatever the students are. Why I bring this up is there's guys that are just concerned about making money, uh, I've sat in classes with all kinds of famous faces, and in this space, 
And they're not talking about what you just talked about, this warrior's code. And that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. To me, I think the underlying theme is is standing up for what's right. And righteousness, I don't think, needs to be directly correlated to religion. Uh, but we we understand it's wrong to hurt children. We understand it's wrong to steal. It's wrong to kill. It's wrong to prey on the weak. And anybody, I think, that doesn't agree with that is wrong, right? That's like, you don't hurt kids, you don't hurt women, you don't steal, you don't kill people, and you could just add a bunch of other things that kindergartners know are, are wrong. There's these guys, mostly guys, that are jumping into this space. I get called from people constantly, and I don't want to make this a bashing discussion, but I'm your thought process brought it up. These guys don't were- Don't blame me. Many up. I'm, I'm not. No, it's just, I think it's, I think it's valuable to discuss and it's, it's a buyer beware thing because the men that, that view these podcasts or, or look at the content, consume the content that people like me put on the internet, it's not lost on me that a lot of them are 20 something year old dudes looking to find their way in the world. And, yeah. and I was a 20 something year old dude that, that would have looked up to a man with gray hair like me. Um, we're all looking for role models. And I've, I called constantly, Hey, did you hear about so and so? I don't know. Like, what about so and so? Oh, well, this guy set a class up and he took $20,000 of student funds and then never showed up and never emailed anybody to say he wasn't coming and now he won't pay anybody. Like, that crap happens mm-hmm. all the time. Or to, I mean, I know four or five. Uh, special operations dudes that have done that or not paid their bills to arrange or not, not, uh, paid their bill when somebody supplied them, uh, material support for a training gig or something and they just kind of blow stuff off. And like that to me is, that's, is that what we're trying to emulate? Is that what somebody that does what's right, uh, would do? And I only bring that up because it's not just running into a burning building or shooting the bad guy or, or, you know, jumping underwater and rescuing the baby from the submerged vehicle. Cause that's what everybody fantasizes about, but it's the day in, day out, how you, how you go about your life that is the right from wrong. I'm off the horse. You, you touched on it a little bit earlier when you talked about the kind of the people doing things to feed their ego and everything else. You know, I, I like having brand new shooters with low skill level, not knowing what they're doing. I, I like having SWAT cops, you know, and, and I love having a whole SWAT team, you know, or teaching at a SWAT conference and, and some things. So I travel around and teach uh, and do the thing. And I always say something, no matter if I've got a bunch of military cats or SWAT guys or, or soccer moms, it doesn't really matter to me. I think it's all the same. They're all there for the same reasons. If it's not because chief said I had to come, you know, or the, the sheriff said I mm-hmm. need to come to this thing, you know, whatever. If they're there by choice, you know, on their own funds or, or whatever, and they want to go out and train, get a little more well-regulated, whatever, um, they're, they're doing it out of love. They're not doing it out of hate. They're not doing it because they want to kill people better, because they want to fight, you know, um, you know and, and become a, a better-looking, better, you know, badass-looking individual or whatever on the, for Instagram. Like, they're out there because they don't want to die, because they want to stay on this planet and keep right. providing for their families and keep loving their kids and watching their kids grow up and their families and be a part of that. And they, because they, they love their families. They love themselves. They, they love their communities. The police officers are out there trying to train to get it right so they don't have to take the wrong life. They're not training to, to be better at killing. They're training to save lives. You know, sometimes we have to take lives in the process. You know, we, we want that to be the bad guy's life, right? So that's why they're out there training, you know, out of love. And I, and I truly believe that. And I think the good trainers out there, 
are also doing it out of love. One, love for the country. I think every time somebody comes to one of my classes or they come to one of your classes and they get a little safer with handling their handgun, the, the gun that they bought to protect their family because of love and themselves, the gun that they clean, load, and unload and do everything around the people that they love the most, right? Like they're coming to get – they're getting better skills at all those things. They're getting safer. There's one more person that's less likely to have an incident that's going to turn the next 500 people in their – geographic community against the second amendment because there was an accident involving a firearm and a child or something like that. These people are safer out there. They're, they're new people out there that are, that are helping without being law enforcement officers, but they are there standing, you know, ready and trained to defend mm-hmm. life and to defend people. So we're making our community safer. There's a lot of things here that, that we're doing. And I, I don't teach as near as many classes as I used to. You know, I used to teach one almost every weekend. Now I do about 12 a year, you know, and maybe a few things during the week for LE stuff, but um, the open enrollment about 12 a year. And, and that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that right now where I'm at. I know you got a much faster tempo than that, but I, 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 I continue to do this, not because it makes extra money because, you know, it really doesn't, especially now that I've rolled my company in with, with gun mag warehouse, gun mag training. Uh, you've got to look it up. I, I continue to do this because one, I love doing it. You know, I, I've been teaching guns since uh, 1999, and uh, I don't agree with with 98 percent of the things that I taught in the Marine Corps for many years, and to some higher level units, and and some things that I, I did in the Marine Corps. Um, and most of that doesn't translate over to the concealed carry, and uh, or the patrol officer. Some of the SWAT stuff does. Uh, but less for pretty much everything else. But I, but I, I love having. I, I don't even care to teach that stuff anymore. I, I want to teach the people who I think need it the most because that's who I care about the most, and that's they're doing it out of love. And uh, I like to think that I'm doing it out of love as well. And a lot of the good trainers out there are. Agreed. I, I, I only brought up that thread, just talking about, and I'll add to it talking about this warrior's ethos you know we look back in history something i think that's interesting some of you guys listening you can read about the knights of old uh, oftentimes we fantasize based disney movies and stories about knights I've been being wanting these to be a knight my people. entire life mickey my entire life well i'm about to burst your bubble because <sighs> a lot of those knights were just paid mercenary scumbag thieves and you know that's it's interesting the way that history then we turn it into that they were these uh, wonderful men that were throwing their cloaks over mud puddles for the fair damsel to not get her shoes wet. Oftentimes they were just hired thugs that literally roamed around the countryside pillaging for whoever they worked for and paid them. And so back to the point at hand of this warrior's ethos – Everything comes back to mindset, right? And we mindset, attitude, your dominating thoughts, they're all the same thing. And we have all these cute isms that I think a lot of people, there's a million things I don't know. And there's a million things I'm continuing. I got piles of books all over the the property here because I'm constantly trying to learn things, Uh, but I don't want to learn everything because there's, I don't, I don't need to know, uh, certain things for my job or certain things are not going to make me better. So I don't waste my energy on it, but it seems like in this space, this industry, now I'm going to do it. 
the most important thing is the thing that we talk about the least. People talk about mindset and they talk about it from the perspective of like gritting your teeth and attacking uh, with fervor so that you win the fight. But what about the mindset to get out of bed and go run so that you're not a fat ass? What about the mindset to uh, blow your buddies off instead of going golfing and take your kids to the park? What about the mindset to, to, uh, come home a little earlier and make dinner for your wife instead of vice versa. And I'm just making stuff up and I can comment on that because I did all kinds of selfish stuff. My kids are grown now. I'm a grandpa. And so I can look back and be like, dang, man, like I really wish I, I spent years involved in politics where I would be at fundraising events, uh, all kinds of, of planning meetings and, and strategizing things where I'd be sitting in your office to help you get elected to some position. And I was doing it, I felt, for the right reasons. I wanted you to get elected because you'd be good for the community. But half the time, it was also for my ego. Look how important I am. Look what I'm doing. That's mm -hmm. so important. Look, I can, I've got, I've got like, I'm in these photos with these other important, famous people. Look at what I can do. Look at what little old me is doing. And at the same time, now my kids are home while dad's not there for hundreds of evenings because I was off hobnobbing with people that in the end, maybe they won, maybe they didn't. And then they're gone, right? They, somebody else takes on the space. And what was really important was was completely overlooked but i i i allowed myself to do this thing uh whatever it was and this is i'm just giving a, a antidotal story of my own life that that took me away from from what i should have been doing so i think personally if we're teaching people my my ethos is this we train to protect life I want, and I asked every student, every podcast I've ever done, I've talked about this, every discussion on the topic I've ever done, I say this. Why are we here? Like, I'm at your class. Why am I there? Well, I'm here to get better at protecting life. And the student, I say, why? And they say, well, uh, to go home. Why? Uh, cause I love my family and, and like, like, tell me why, why do you want to go home? Cause I want to stay alive. I want to, I want to live. And it's like, that's really the, the gist of it. I want to enjoy life. I want to live a long, full life. So if our training is, is so one-sided jujitsu, martial arts of some type fighting with guns, and we're not taking care of our physical or spiritual or mental health at the same time where we've missed the mark. And I don't think every gun guy should, should or does have the ability to pontificate upon these things. But I think oftentimes they don't even try and it just becomes about the quest for gun skills and it gets really short sighted. Um, I buried a lot of friends in my life that died of old age or disease that a gun didn't help them, you know? No, I get it. You know, I, I, oh, absolutely. And it kind of reminded me of, um, something that I, I say in my classes and other people asking me about them. Um, you know, yeah, if you want to go learn to shoot guns, good, you know, we're, we're going to do that. If you want to learn to, 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 to learn the, um, 
the athletic side of it, I guess, the uh, performance side, um, some the way to think tactically, the decision making, use of force, um, you know, how to th- prioritize, you know, tasks and problems and solve problems with a gun in your hand. Like that's what we do. It's, we're we're going to do those things, but that's not what the class is about. The class is I, I use a handgun or a rifle or both as a training aid to teach self control. I use a handgun and a rifle as a training aid to inspire people to get on a path of, of warriorship that they are, that's going to make them a better husband, a better father, a better son or daughter or wife, uh, friend, you know, it's going like, to be a better human to, to go to get used to and embrace adversity and, and grow because strength and growth comes with discomfort. It doesn't come in comfort. It's never going to happen. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and we, if we embrace that, get a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable, then you're getting more comfortable with actually growing because that's where you grow. So mm-hmm. the, my, the classes, and they've evolved into this. You know, I used to teach how to gunfight. That's what I was doing. Like, here's how to fight. Here's how to do this. Here's how to respond to this. Here's that. Here's there's Every fight's different. Bad guy has a say. All the other things that people say, those are all cool. Then these are some things to use in that situation. And the class still has some of that. You know, it still has uh, the things that we need, the things that we are most likely to have to use in a defensive situation, not a tactical situation, a defensive situation. Uh, but that's that stuff matters so much less to me than inspiring. I would rather somebody never really grasp that trigger press that I teach and never really grasp that that holster draw that I teach. I'd rather them, them screw those up and still walk away realizing they need to buy a medical kit and they need to get some medical training because they're much more likely to be involved in a medical emergency with their children or their, their loved ones than they are a gunfight. I'd rather them, them leave and be like, you know what? I am going to go home and thank my wife for letting me, you know, or, or, or like doing everything without me for two days while I gave up money and time to come to a class. That was really nice of the instructor to say that. That really makes sense. You know, like, cause I, I, I think that's a huge thing. We, we, if we're going to be a community, we need to be a community. And so I, I, I promote that idea, the, the warriorship, the family, uh, the love, and like why we actually do these things and the things that matter so much more. You know, it doesn't matter how amazing you are out of the holster. If you lack self-control, you're going to die one day before you get that gun out of the holster because somebody cut in front of you in line, because somebody didn't say thank you when you opened the door for them. So none of that stuff matters. Stupidity, lack of self-control, poor physical fitness, nutrition, all those things are going to kill you much faster than a gun will. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I think, and, and I think what we're talking about here is the part that there's many guys that do discuss this stuff and gals, but, um, it's not sexy. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's the lack of, or I, that word ego, I think is oftentimes misused where it's initially just meant to mean something negative. Of course, when Freud coined that phrase, he was talking about, this this dominating way of our of how we view ourselves. I think when our ego gets blown up, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And too often it's too easy to just say, let's talk about the stuff that makes our ego feel like we're more than we are. And I used to do that with all kinds of stuff. I've been self-employed a couple decades now, and I can look back and think about, man, how much farther would I have been had I 
kind of tempered that some. But in this space, I think there's a lot of men who could talk about it, who have have the life experiences where they can chat about the things we're talking about with students, but they think that the response that they get, and this is just me, I can't say what anybody else is thinking, this is just me musing on the topic, I think that many of them do not discuss these topics because they feel that it will make them look less macho or less than, and, you know, they're here to learn how to blaze targets and, and put tangos down instead of, uh, you know, hearing my viewpoint on, on, uh, you know, being a good father or a, a, a leader in my community. That's not what they want to talk about. And I have found, because I've been doing this for quite a long time, it's what I talk about. And there's plenty of people that just poo poo the things that me or you say. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I don't care. I don't have to lay my head down at night on that guy's pillow and, and give a crap what he thinks. I have to sleep. So, uh, I have to sleep with myself and my own choices. And I think that we have to be better in this community of doing the right thing. I often remind people only 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence. I think we look back fondly and imagine every American picking up pitchforks and muskets and going to fight the Redcoats, and the fact is that's just not the case. And few led the many, and that that is what we need now. We need dudes like you and others to say, here's the things we should be thinking about and talking about that, especially with all the young men out there. I mean, I... Side story, something happened in a USPSA match over the weekend, uh, Area 5 match, where a shooter slipped in the gravel. As he slipped, he muzzled uprange and accidentally popped a round off that left the bay. The round went past people and, and uh, lodged in a berm on another bay. Very scary stuff. And... I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't see it, but a bunch of guys I know are high-level USPSA guys. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's the United States Practical Pistol Association. And they're all commenting back and forth, and there's people in USPSA talking about banning gravel from stages now. Well, most ranges are dirt and gravel, right? Like, because it's the gravel's fault. No, it's a train, you know, it's a training issue. But where I'm going with this is, People are sending me stuff like, oh, did you see this? Look at this idiot. Look how stupid he is. Let's talk about it. Let's, people are making memes about it. People have like gone and this guy that had this, this accident, which is horrible. And I'm sure he feels horrible, mm -hmm. uh, are getting screenshots of his face and writing all this really mean, hateful stuff. And guys have sent this stuff to me. And I was like, dudes, I, I love you, but I, why do I want to engage in this? This guy's probably at home feeling like, that big and he'll never live it down. He will never walk on a range the rest of his life and not think about that happening. He's probably now the safest dude to be around with a gun and thankfully nothing bad happened. And I'm not saying all of that to, to downplay it. I dropped a gun in a USPSA match years ago and like 30 of my peers watched me do it. Um, I tell that story. I tell the story to students. I tell the story in settings like this, and it's not if even I can because I'm great, I say it because out of hubris, I set my gear up in a way that I shouldn't have, thinking like I was more than I was, and it resulted in me dropping a loaded firearm on a range. And DQ'd, match over for me, 
unload the gun, go sit like a baby in the back and watch all my friends shoot. Like these things happen. But in this space, man, we chew each other up. And those are the guys that are also teaching and they don't want to talk about the things like you said, mercy and forgiveness. And how about what can we learn from this? Over the weekend as well, there was a picture that went all over the internet of a famous YouTube gun guy who I don't know, I've never met, I've never had any interaction with. It was a pretty bad picture. The uh, the page owner shared it, and again, I see it because everybody in the gun space shares this picture. I don't know if you saw it, but he, saw it. he's on the range with – okay. So for the listeners, there's like five people that he's that he's got at the uh, – range doing like some intro pistol stuff and everybody's muzzling each other i'm assuming the guns were unloaded uh, which doesn't make it okay it's a totally scary setting it bothered people because not only was it bad that the picture was taken but looking at the picture i would say good lord i can never share this picture on the internet but then he uploaded the picture so he did the right thing over the weekend i just saw it and like did a video saying I took the video or I took the picture down not to hide it, but I don't want people to think that's okay. And, and, and I made a mistake. I screwed up. This is my fault, not those students and owned it. And people are just like chewing this guy up and all these famous gun guys commented all over this guy's page, just like ripping him apart. Like, like schoolboys, man, just like like it was high school and somebody pooped their pants and they're just going to tear this guy up and insult him is reprimand and and um some type of discussion in order a thousand percent. I mean, we can't look the other way, kind of what we're talking about doing the right thing when when you that's I think the the main point, but there's it goes to the other end of the spectrum too where the right thing to us is to act like infants. Well, a lot of that is that negative inflated ego thing. You know, I, 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 they have kind of stopped them. I kind of conditioned everybody to not do it anymore, but I used to get people to message me all the time or tag me and something. Look what this idiot's doing. And they want me to go in there and comment on, on what this guy's doing. Um, and, and add validity to the person who tagged me and agree with whatever they're saying mean to the person and then dogpile this other person. And it does no good where nobody's going to learn anything from that. Mm-hmm. It's like our priorities are out of line in, in that way. You know, you, we were talking about the, the picture from, from Such and I, I, I know Such and I, and I like Such. He's, I know he's one of us. He's a good guy who cares about the second amendment. Uh, I think he, he has some things to learn and um, you know, I, I haven't reached out to him yet, but I was going to hit him up and see if he wanted to come on the podcast and even talk about that and what we could learn as an, as a community from, from that, because what that picture said to me was, okay, I, I look at this and like you do a lot of things in video and photography, um, the angles here and the way the guns are hold held. I am not positive that there is a muzzle actually pointing at somebody else in this moment. But I know that we are way too close, uh, and I know that whenever they go to remove these guns from this pose, somebody's getting muzzled, most likely. Um, and there are better ways to hold the gun administratively if you want to have a gun in a picture. And this tells me yeah. that the person taking the picture, you know, Such in this case, may not know those techniques. So there's a training thing that one of our big gun influencers that does gun reviews, and, and I think he does things from a place of love in a lot of ways as well. Uh, he's not a bad guy at all. 
Um, but he needs some education and some training. And it'd be a lot better if we were to like, hey, let's let's get this. Let's talk to him about this and not just like attack everybody who is, is a good voice out there and brings a lot of people to the Second Amendment. Uh, our priorities are off. You know, we people we 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 like to um, on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and everything else. You know, it's all about beards and bourbon and and who gives zero f's and who doesn't or whatever and and how awesome that is and i i think that's the opposite of what a man should be it's the opposite of what a warrior should be i don't even freaking like bourbon right like and i i it's like i got a beard because my wife likes it right like so it's it's i don't even none of that stuff really matters at the end of the day or how um what what new patch you have or what trick trinkets you have on your gun that you can't shoot or or what bourbon you're drinking or, or cigar you're smoking all this like macho stuff that's like that's that's like having really bad teeth and getting veneer over it what really matters what really makes a good man what really makes a warrior a fighter somebody who i would want to take to a gunfight you know my next gunfight i want to take fighters with me i don't want to take take posers with me you know and i mm-hmm. and i because i was fortunate to have some fighters with me in the fights that i've been in and it's not the people who who prioritize things like that that don't really matter that matter to me. It's it's the person like that that does give a lot of Fs. The person like what what caliber of things does he care the most about? That's how I'm measuring men. You know, like what what mm-hmm. really bothers him? What does he is he really concerned about? Does he want to make better in this world? What are his priorities? And if it's like looking cool, bourbon dogpiling somebody who who needs training and they're not quite as far along as you are in your level of training and so we're going to dogpile on that it's the opposite i put out a video a couple of weeks ago about terminology and how we dogpile these people who, who call a magazine a clip or, or do something mm-hmm. like that you know and we they jump all over them on one hand we're like let's get more people on the second amendment we got to be against these anti-gunners we got to maintain the second amendment and you know keep this going and save the country because here's the stats and everything else but then on the other hand as soon as somebody comes in uh, our superinflated egos will attack somebody because they called something wrong, and somehow our our ego and our 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 self image, everything is attached to our understanding of this one little small uh, set of things that we know. Uh, and so, like I, I swear, if you put calls, if I if I did something or posted a video or put a clip up or or did something, and I looked at my gun during a reload or a reholster, which are two things that I am totally okay with. Um, mm-hmm. know, there's certain situations out there without going into the detail. Um, somebody at two o'clock in the morning, when I post that video is just standing by waiting, waiting to make a comment. Okay. Who's going to post a video that I can critique with the four things that I know about guns. I'm like, I, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And the lack of depth of knowledge and the lack of understanding that you have a lack of depth of knowledge, uh, and what people are doing out there, but everybody thinks they have a voice. We see that not only in guns, but in, in a lot of things. And uh, it's just, I think it's just, we have our priorities out of whack. And, and yeah, like people take some, need some leaders to, to get those back in line. It's, I think that's human nature. I, I get those things a lot. Our, I, I, my um, foray into social media years ago was me discussing such topics as do you look at your gun on a reload? And I would comment and talk about it and it would be, insane people guys like you vets would message me or send emails you stupid mother effer you're going to get people killed by the stuff you're telling people really like do do tell how i'm going to get somebody killed by commenting or discussing whether or not we should look a magazine into a mag well as we are learning how to manipulate a gun and uh it's just it's it is a it's a silly egocentric 
uh, way of communicating with the world. I've got a friend that is a, a professional chef and I've had him on videos doing things like, um, preparing steaks or something and people will, Oh, you're dumb. That's not how to do it. Mm. This guy's a, a renowned trained chef. Like it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean there's not another way because right. otherwise everything would taste the same. But to say he doesn't know what he's talking about, it's just, it's, yeah, it's foolish. And there's people that badmouth me constantly because I don't have a, a background shooting people, which I'm actually, um, happy that I don't in many ways. I mean, I, 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 I'm blind in one eye, tried to sign up for the service as a young man, didn't work out, doesn't matter. Um, but, like, look at the stuff we're teaching and tell me if it's incorrect based on the totality of what is factual as, as, uh, the highest level of stuff now known. And if you find something that's not, tell me. And you won't, not because of me, but because of where we go for knowledge and how you, and this stuff is really not that hard either. It's, uh, we get all the garbage out of it and, and break it down. It's pretty simple stuff. And that's, that's really what we're trying to do. Take the garbage away and pass on stuff that's meaningful, but then do it in a way where the time spent training, you talked about it, using the gun as a tool to help mold the man. Uh, that's what our events are all about. Uh, that's what our relationships are about. I was thinking this morning, I do a lot of time. I have a lot of time alone. I'm in the truck a lot. I'm uh, uh, in a studio alone a lot or, or, even even training, you know, you got headphones on. I'm a, alone a lot to my thoughts on the mat. I'm in. I train jujitsu six days a week. You're alone when you're, you know, you're not com- conversing. And I, I I converse with myself. And <clears throat> excuse me. I was just thinking about how grateful I am for some of the friends I have in my life. Uh, not because that they're better than anybody or better than than uh, me, but they hold me accountable and they allow me to hold them accountable. I've got a logo for our S12 event. It's a, it's a chain. It's a chunk of chain and the one link, the large link in the center of the shirt. I'm pointing to my breast because it's on our clothing, but it's on patches and things. It, it, the concept is that we are a link in the chain of other people's lives and the DNA of our offspring and the people that came before us. And we forge ourselves into weak links and hard links. We, we create, uh, the, the reality that's around us. And I think too often we're, we're very flippid with how we interact with the world. That whole clip thing. I call them clipazines just to piss everybody off. Clipazines. Yeah, none of that stuff really matters. You know, it's like no. it's just what what matters is. I mean, it, it actually, in the in in the grand scheme of things, that uh, I, I I don't even know that um, a lot of things that that we do in firearms training like really really matters in the grand scheme of things. You know, um, but the I, I like what you said there about getting rid of some of the things. There's a lot of or, or what people are teaching and the complications because I I, I think. I think guns, shooting guns is easy. I think manipulating guns is easy. Uh, I think there's a, and I've taken tons of classes with some biggest name guys out there and some people that nobody's ever heard of and some people in the military who were better than anybody I've ever known, you know, but, they, but nobody's ever going to hear of them. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, what, what really matters 
is uh is is the other things you know that we, we we talked about you know a few minutes ago those warrior virtues and all those things any no matter what it is i'm going to find a way I'm going to find a way. But the the complications, a lot of us come out here, and I would say veterans specifically and law enforcement officers. I think law enforcement officers started this, so I'm going to blame them initially. Um, there is this idea that I need to use the largest and most scientific words that nobody's ever heard of, and I need to package them in a sentence and in a statement and in a concept and in a curriculum to make myself sound very smart and to be able to continue to use these things when all I'm really trying to do at the end of the day is to get you to point make your gun smarter. at a spot and then make the gun go bang without moving the gun. That's all you have mm-hmm. to do for the shooting part of guns. Point the gun where you want it to go, make the gun go bang without moving it. It's that simple. Now, there's a few little techniques in each one of those little categories that are going to help you do that better. But it's not – this isn't rocket surgery. Like shooting guns is not complicated. It is for absolutely everybody. And you don't have to have mm-hmm. – uh, be a dev guru guy or, or a SWAT SEAL or anything else to, to teach this stuff. right? Like I know tons of people who, who don't have any experience in law enforcement, never even drew their gun you know, for, for violence or stop violence reasons, uh, were never in the military. Um, but they're, they're – they're very, very competent funnels. And what I mean by funnel is what you just described yourself as, the people that you've trained with, the things that you've got, and that you have thrown away all the garbage and you've kept the stuff that you believe is the highest priority. You know, This is the important thing about having multiple instructors. I don't want my students to ever call me their instructor. I want them to go train with you, with everybody else out there, because you have different priorities than I do. And then somebody else has different priorities than, than we do. And they're, with that, they're going to figure out what their priorities are. Right, so that's what, what's going to be important. Um, and I, like you, I try to remove all the BS that I have learned over the years and funnel down what is most important to the students based on my idea of, of what's most important based on my priorities. And I funnel that to mm-hmm. the students, and I, I leave out all the BS. And, and I don't have to continue to market to my students during a class. Like, well, some instructors teach this or somebody does that or whatever. Like, I'm just going to teach you my stuff. I'm not having a day trying to sell you more classes. You've already paid. You're already there. So it's all learning and doing. And so like that stuff blows my mind how everybody is so defensive and they're, and I could, I could point to YouTubers and videos and, and trainers all over the place that I've taken classes with where they spend the day confirming that they're awesome with the students and that everybody else (laughs) is horrible. And that is just the weakest, weakest mindset. I've walked out of classes once uh because of it um or walked out of a class once because of it i was like ah, this isn't a place for me it isn't going to work right and mm-hmm. uh i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not playing this game because like i i came here to hopefully pick up some stuff and all i'm doing is being annoyed i will do better self-diagnosing on the bay next to us by myself so uh mm-hmm. we have no there's no reason for that it doesn't need to be here you've touched on a lot of things that resonate with me um the funnel concept. I do, I would push back on a couple of those concepts in this. Um, I just recently had a guest on the podcast. He's a, uh, four stripe black belt, jujitsu black belt. He's a, a Korean literature professor that studied at Harvard, but he's an American and lives in Seoul, Korea teaching. And when I sign off on my podcast, I, I always ask the guests leave. If you never met the guests, in person, if they never see you again, what would you leave them with? And he looked at the camera and said, 
Find something that you're passionate about. Find somebody, this is me paraphrasing, find somebody that's excellent in it and make them your teacher and don't bounce around. And what he meant by that is not don't seek knowledge outside of them, but truly find somebody that like, for the most part, you or I or other people like us could pass on most all the skills that somebody needs when it comes to purchasing, training with, and using a firearm to defend themselves. Uh, and I'm sure you could talk about things like the legal and ethical use of force. You could probably talk about some considerations for things like uh, a bedside gun versus a carry gun, or if there is a consideration for it to be different. I'm sure you could talk about, uh, do you think off-body carry is acceptable? You could comment on all of those sure. things because it's just not really, like you said, that complicated or complex. I've trained with some of the, the best uh, shooters in the world and talking about military stuff. The military doesn't have the world's best pistol shooters, for example, because they go train with IPSC and USPSA guys, and whom I know many of those guys that high-level units go to train with. So, it, and even then, this was the point. Those guys, all they do is the basic movements of a pistol: draw strokes, grip, sight alignment, work the trigger, keep the gun up and running, and keep shooting whatever targets are out in front of you. They're just working basic movements, just like Michael Jordan dribbling. It's not Michael Jordan's got a different way to dribble or, or expert shooters got a different way. They're just doing it well. Uh, so I, I would, I would say I used to always tell students what you just said and what I have found. And it just in the last couple of years, I've watched it come up guys. Cause I, part of what has allowed us to funnel this down something that a lot of guys that don't get the exposure that I get or people like me get thousands of students. I've watched the same mistake. You can be mm -hmm. on a firing line and hear, you can hear a wet gun or a dry gun. You can hear a gun. If somebody's racking a slide when they're not supposed to be, you hear it, you know, anywhere on the range. I'm sure you do. And you look around. So when you're exposed to that so many times, you start to see like the same problem over and over and over. Here was my point. I'll see dudes and I'll say like, not here's the way, but here is a way. And I also don't say here's a way and I'll find out what works for you because uh, if you knew, you wouldn't be here. So shut up and do what I'm telling you more or less. But then that guy will message me and say, hey, I was at this other guy's class and he said what you said, stupid, and his way is better. And now it's created this muddiness because there are so many guys out there that tell people this crap. And so then it's just this, this student is lost in a quagmire of what's the, the right or wrong way. And at the end of the day, they could have just stuck to a path and got good at it. It's like I use jujitsu a lot because there's a thousand different ways that people approach jujitsu. And like the little nuances make it this person's style or that person's style. And guys will go to class, they'll go to a seminar, and then they go home and start YouTubing all these different people. So you just paid to go spend the time to get hot and sweaty and learn from this person that knows what they're doing. And now you're off at home trying to pick holes through through this master's uh, uh, right. you know lesson plan. So I think sometimes, I, I guess I just want to add that sometimes I think, depending on where you're at, I could sit in your class and I could say, I like what he just said. I probably won't adopt that, but I dig it. Or um, well, that makes total sense. That's exactly how I would say that. And there'd be all kinds of, 
of of similarities because at the end of the day, it's just not that complicated. I, I think that that there's there's probably some quite a few things that all the people who are doing things right are doing the same thing in some areas, but there's also a lot of areas where I could be in your class and be like, you know what? That's not the way I would teach it. I would not agree with that at all. And I'd tell um, you that you're stupid but, then. But then you would be sitting in my class and I would teach my way for that. And you would not agree with, with my way of doing it. And we could both be absolutely correct at the same time, depending on what that. I'm pretty open-minded about that. I have a very simple metric. Targets don't lie. So, Timers and targets don't lie. So, like, if it got the result, safety is a prerequisite. So, as long as it got the result and it works, like, cool, man. Like, I think you got to know your audience and and understand, uh, you know, what what the end result is. One of the things we're known for is I'll take somebody in the class that has never shot a gun, and by the time we're done with the class, that person's shooting while their feet are moving and slaloming around barrels and barricades and on their back drawing and doing advanced level stuff uh, because we are able to just keep piling stuff on and you've got to do it safely of course we've never had an accident and I don't intend to uh, because you got to know the people that you're that you're pushing but I don't think we we sometimes get so concerned about safety which we should be this is where I think, Guys jumping into this, uh, man, if you don't have a mind or a brain to understand the audience and you push people, that's where stuff happens. But we oftentimes are so concerned with keeping things safe, and I'm not, I don't want somebody to misunderstand what I'm saying, that we don't allow people to try. And I'm not talking about just saying, hey, Betty, here's this gun, go run around and do stuff. Um, there's that's way too much to talk about in the, the time that we have, but we just don't, we don't trust people. People get on, get in a car and steer with their knee down the freeway, sipping coffee and playing on the radio. Our brains can do some complex stuff. Uh, we just have to trust people too and give them the right, give them the right tools. And yeah. I've been told many times that I have an ambitious class. Like I, I can't believe we did this like today. Or I can't believe we did. We're, we got this far in two days, and we're doing these things. I've never done any of this before, and it's like that's that's totally normal. And the the stuff that we we do, there's nothing advanced. You know, I, I've been hanging out with guns and teaching guns and and carrying guns and making a living with guns for like 23 years, and I can't wait to get good enough to get to that advanced stuff. One day I'm going to get there and then I'm going to go get in the class that says advanced in the title. And there's actually going to be something advanced in there. I, I, I don't, I don't think it exists, right? There's a, there's a complex mm-hmm. application of fundamentals. There's an uncomfortable application of fundamentals. There's an adaptive application of fundamentals, but like these are there, there, there's not in this advanced skill, right? So uh, if I'm hanging from a helicopter shooting or from a little bird, then I am using the fundamentals of, of fighting, of marksmanship, of problem solving, while I'm hanging from a helicopter, you know, like that's this all the same, right? It's just you know, some of the variables so in there cool. and the atmospherics might change. So the idea that, that students can't do this or, um, or they'll see what, well, I can't believe we're, we're doing that in that class. You know, I'm like, what do you mean doing that in that class? Like all, all we're doing is, 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 is drawing a gun from the holster, moving and shooting or, 
or, or doing something. Well, this is an example. You know, there's a lot of things. You know, or like I got two people behind one piece of cover, and I'm causing stoppages and problems with their rifles and their transitions and their handguns. I'm making them switch sides. I'm creating situations where they have to choose an appropriate ready position and carry to move around their partner without muzzling anybody because muzzling them is not acceptable. And I'm creating situations where if they fail and I am not able to anticipate that quickly, they could potentially muzzle each other. But I have spent mm-hmm. a day, over a day and a half, giving them all the tools and all the skills to complete this, including self-control, to be deliberate in everything that they do, to have control of everything they do, to make a decision about everything that they do, and not just go up there and do stuff. Like they're, Everything is designed. It's by design. And there's some guys that come out there there's and girls reason. who just slay it, and they're absolutely awesome, and they were terrible uh, 24 hours earlier, you know, but they've, they've really, we, we, we build the scaffolding to allow us to be able to do some of these things and really put some, some of the skills and some of the things they've learned, uh, to a closer fight, light stress level test. I mean, it's still not fight like it's on a square range, but you know, we can, there's, I try to do a lot of things on the square range that don't create square range mentalities. Uh, the safety thing, I am totally, I, I despise, uh, myself and, um, I've, I've been muzzled, almost been shot. I have been seen more NDs in cold ranges uh, than live live ranges where guns stay loaded all day. Uh, the ranges that I go to when in classes where we unload after every drill and check each other's guns and then put our guns in the holsters. Mm-hmm. This mentality is always developed um, to where guns are just they're they're unloaded and then somebody will end up telling me that oh my gun's unloaded like it's okay for me to wave it around back here like nobody cares about your Glock 19 we've all seen it um, so it's like I I just in my experience and uh, including so in class with some really really famous trainers um, I I have had an incredibly negative experience and and in the Marine Corps too yeah we don't we don't unless the, there's a reason for it, our guns are loaded because that's how we carry guns we have a pretty basic premise come train with the tools that you live with work with or carry on a daily basis come in the clothing that you live Mm -hmm. in work in or are dressed in on a daily basis or deployed in or or issued and that makes sense to me like when i train with carbines i've got what i'm wearing and i shove magazines in my back pocket that like annoys guys well to be honest i i don't see myself ever in a situation where i am going to deploy a rifle and have a bunch of like a battle belt on they go well you could set a battle belt up and have it i just don't see it man i do see myself with with this you know that's usually on me so i train with that so um it's i i think we start to get into like uh various ideologies and philosophies and and all of that that's uh, uh you could run the gamut but uh it has it well, i think the something that's a good indicator to me of the tide turning that discussion about looking a mag in seven eight years ago Guys would talk about that, and it would blow the internet up for days on end. Or, or um, uh, press checking, you know, guys. I that's kind of my thing. I talk about press checking, and it just there's the same like hundred people that will just send me like hate mail, and it's hilarious. And I've interviewed. I've, at one time, I made a video where I talked to various guys that are high level special operation guys, dudes that were on Fifth Group SIF, guys from CAG, guys from Dev Group, and I'd say, hey. Bob from DevGrew, 
Uh, did did you press check before you assaulted an objective? Yes, every single time. Hey, Danny from you know XYZ Marine Corps Company, did you ever press check? Uh, and I don't know. Did you? Do you? Do you? Did you press check weapons ever? Uh, yes, but I, I could do a whole podcast on that because uh, I, I there's a lot of folks out there who, for some reason, I don't know why, but they are absolutely crazy about this press check thing. And that if you teach a press check, then you're a horrible moron. Uh, and then there's a, <laughs> it's so funny. And there's a group out there that's if you don't teach the press check, you're a horrible moron. Look, I don't care. That that's stupid stuff. It's not even worth I don't talking either. about, in my opinion. Because keep your gun loaded. Know the condition of your gun, right? There you and go. If you need so a there press it is. check it's, to do it, that, and you don't have any other tools to do that. By all means, press check. And so there, that's one of those things that uh, I play a little guitar. I'm not very good at it, but I've played since I was a kid. I can hold my guitar and play a G chord without looking. But if you told me to play a chord that I didn't know and I just learned it, I'd have to look until I knew how to do it. So, like, there are things that it's just – it depends on what you're doing. And we have these dogmatic statements where it's this or nothing. And back to my point, I think the tide is turning where, um, you know, Colonel Cooper redesigned so much of how we thought about a pistol to be used for fighting – and then that was the dogma for, for 40-ish years. IPSC, USPSA, IDPA guys really pushed the envelope. You know, you share the last name, Shaw. Are you related to Shaw? By John, no. I know his son. Yeah, no? Okay. Okay, so, you know, mid-south, like, you get these places where competitive, we call them performance shooters, you know, guys training to push the envelope of performance, really figured out how to make things better. It's the same with... Uh, like race cars. My truck has on it technology that only race cars had on 20 years ago, you know, like suspension and turbochargers and all that crap. It would have been like a, a race car. And who pushes technology with racing? It's not the manufacturers. It's hillbillies like me in their garage going, how the hell can I make this pickup truck go faster? And so now in the last decade or so, because of social media, it's I swear I have listened to the same presentation that's come out of my mouth that I know that I am repeating what I was taught by Dave Harrington or somebody else. And some young dude is repeating it. And I know that dude did not come up with that on his own, which is not a bad thing. Or maybe he did, because if we look at a problem long enough, usually most people will arrive at a similar conclusion but then that dude thinks he owns that thing and it's like well you know kind of seeing guys since the 80s describing it that same way so slow your slow your roll i've had guys message me and say that thing that you're teaching you owe mike panone an apology that was one of them i know mike i don't owe mike an apology because mike didn't come up with that and even if mike did you know i would say it was mike's but you know this is stuff that's been around for 50, 60 years and Mike was eight years old, you know, so, so let's yeah. not, let's not like jump the gun here. We get so, so kind of clickish about this, this flow of information. But I guess what, back to your funnel point, I do see where things now are, are not so, uh, widespread. I do an instructor development program 
and we just had a range uh, session. So we had people come from across the country and it's a pretty good couple day event. And man, there were some people there I hadn't seen because I'm, I'm removed from this. I had not seen this school of thought in a long time. And I, I'm like, I got to talk to like these three people in private. And I'm like, what in the F are you guys teaching people? Because this is like pretty much everybody that knows anything about this stuff has decided this is bad stuff to teach. And they're like, oh, well, we, we, we bow, bow at the altar of this gun guru who's kind of like a known douchebag. And I'm like, well, I, I would do some research on like continuing to pay this guy money. There's still some of that out there, but I think for the most part, like, not, I don't want to say the best way, but there's such a flow of information now that, like, show me on the video, show me on a timer, show me on a target, show me that what you're saying is better, and it's kind of been distilled down to something else that we've got now. Yeah, I mean, I like whenever I've got... um you know, there's there's some things that there's like two things that I I don't know of anybody else doing and you know Ooh, but I, I know can I hear people. what they are? Hmm? Can I hear what they are? Yeah, we'll, we'll probably talk about it offline. You know, a little bit. About, oh, offline. Or, or maybe, okay, or maybe it's too whole, secret. Or maybe do a whole podcast. I don't just don't want to digress. It's nothing super ninja. It's nothing high speed. It's very simple. Oh. Like there's nothing like crazy that I spent years in developing. It's just it's actually common sense, and I'm surprised nobody else is doing it. Uh, other people do the same thing in different ways. In some ways, I could I could show you on paper and with math, uh, and you know with physics that that they're wrong, right? But it's just the way it's always are been we, done. What are we just give me like a generalization? What are we talking about? Uh, I, I could, my old, my I could talk about movement. Uh, like body mechanics, um, okay. stoppages and clearance with with rifles specifically, um, and uh, some mechanics related to that, like not just body mechanics, but the way the the gun works. Um, okay. just, and and there's a, there's a, a drill or two out there um, that that works on some stuff. But what's important to me for whenever I am teaching a class or I'm taking a class with somebody, you know, I. I like to consider myself an academic. You know, I, I, I like to, to learn. I, I like to read constantly. I like to write. I like to hone my craft. My crafts, are, I have many crafts that I, that I love, that I'm very passionate about. It's a problem that I have, right, that, that, that holds me back in some areas because, like, I love so many things. I have a lot more passions than, than most people that I know. And, uh, but it, then it also kind of takes me to this like self-proclaimed renaissance man kind of thing. Like I'm not amazing at anything. I've never been amazing at anything in my life. So it's like, uh, you just said that you're, you just said that you're self-proclaimed renaissance man though. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Are you as well? I couldn't see it. It was a little blurry on my end. I was taking a picture of you. I'm about to, I'm about, I'm going to share that on my story today and say renaissance man. Yeah. Just a guy who likes to do a lot of stuff, you know, like decent at different things, you know? Um, anyway, I'd say decent. I didn't say I was I was a good Renaissance man. The um, but I as far as training and that kind of thing is like I I stand on the shoulders of giants, man. Even in like what little I do anymore and everything else. The reason I even got to where I am is because of 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 Scotty Reed, my one of my SOTG uh, instructors in 1997, uh, Special Operations Training Group, um, Staff Sergeant Bernard Check, retired Chief Warrant Officer Five Gunner Bernard Check, Gunner Harris. Uh, I could name names all throughout my Marine Corps career of mentors and fighters and warriors who 
who just impacted me in so many ways. Some of them weren't even had anything to do with guns. It was just leadership and inspiration and mm-hmm. everything else, um, and correcting me and holding me accountable and and making me want to be better. And uh, I, I could I could name names all day long. And in the training side of things, um, there were so many people who were here way before me. You know, Travis Haley, Likewise. Chris Costa, and the Magpul DVDs. Like those, those launched a lot of careers because it popularized and glamorized training. Go a little deeper where those guys got a lot of their training methodologies. It came from guys who are not even here anymore, like Ron Avery. You know, right. a lot of what, a lot of what those guys are, Louis are passing on was, yeah, Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ron and Ron Avery was a pioneer that I asked guys, have you ever like trained with Ron or did you see anything that Ron had done when he was still alive? And they're like, who? I go, man, come on. Yep. Like, that's, that's hurtful. I list in my courses, I go through a lot of those old, not, not old dudes, but those pioneering guys, uh, and tell folks go, if they're alive, go train with them. If they're dead, go read about them and learn who they were and what they did. Louie and Ron both gone. I do the same thing. And if, I, if I'm teaching something that I know that I heard this first from, from Steve Fisher, you know, and in a class with him, then I, I'll be like, hey, I was in Steve's class, and he covers a lot of this. These are some of his priorities, and this is what I liked about it, and this is one thing that I really took away. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take that back to my class because that makes sense, and that's a better way than what I was doing. Uh, so I am going to adopt that, but I'm also going to cite Steve whenever I do that. Uh, because that's just a courtesy, the academic side, you know, like of what I would do if I'm, it's not my idea. One thing that really annoys me in this Instagram age is those, those people that you're talking about. And you, I think you use the term youngsters and that, all the ones that I see are not all youngsters, but they're often regurgitating things that I know that they heard somewhere else, but they're putting it out there as if they develop the own thought themselves. And I believe it's very disingenuous. Uh, it's very disrespectful. Um, and it's not good for the student because the student's not learning the etymology and the history and, and everything else that comes with this. I'm laughing because I had a friend uh, quote Pat McNamara, who's a friend of mine, quoted Pat, shared it, and I messaged him. I go, you know, that's not Pat, right? That was that was um, you know, P- Pat likes to quote Steinbeck. <laughs> that was like one of the, like the you know most prolific authors of the last hundred years that wasn't pat pat just pat was quoting steinbeck and now right. you're quoting <laughs> pat as if pat is steinbeck you know like like and he's like who's steinbeck it's i'm the like beginning oh, of that dunning kruger yeah. curve right there right? <laughs> yeah. you don't know enough yeah. to know that you don't know anything right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean i i i because we have these amazing devices i'll see or hear something and i'll go well, i'll real quick start searching and the funny thing is i mean there's People also have to be good researchers. There's things that I'll hear somebody quote, and I'm like, man, I know that I read that before. I don't remember where, and I'll look it up. And there are a 100 quotes attributed to Benjamin Franklin, and it wasn't Benjamin Franklin. It was some writer in the 1960s that said this was something Benjamin would have said. And then somebody, you know, that just keeps getting shared on the Internet, and there's cute little Pinterest memes about it, and people just – Say this is what it is. Talking about Steve, Steve's a friend of mine and a great guy. Steve got to spend so much time with Pat Rogers. Mm-hmm. And like, there's another, another guy. I think, you know, p- people that don't know Pat Rogers, look him up. He was an NYPD copper. He was a Marine. He was a freaking stud. And 
he influenced tons of people. Oh, absolutely. And, He's one of the greats, and, I mean, without a doubt. Man. Yeah. 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 And that's be, pre this internet explosion, pre you know, we've before we started changing concealed carry laws across the country. I say we because I had a hand in some of that here in, in, in close states. Uh, but across the country for the last 30 years, this training didn't exist because people couldn't carry guns. And, and unfortunately, guys that are, I say youngsters because I feel so old. I've got, I've got great chest hair, dude. Okay. But they, um, they assume not, not like me. I mean, look at that. Look at that. I don't know. Did look you miss that. that? Right. I'm pretty covered. It's not like this. <laughs> I'll get there next See? year. I'll be caught up. They look at they look at this stuff and they assume that all the anti gun laws are are new. We couldn't carry guns walking around in the United States until the last thirty or forty years. Was it normal? And that's factual. Uh, people just make this assumption. Unless you were out of town on the ranch, people just didn't walk strapped. And so there was no training for it. So guys like Rogers and, and Cooper and Auerbuck and these different dudes in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, passing that stuff on. It was a very Clint Smith. It was a very finite amount of people. Now it's thousands, yep. thousands of people. And like you said, walking on the shoulders of giants, I agree, uh, a hundred percent. Um, I'm fortunate to have access to guys I can call them, uh, Ken Hackathorn, like he, I know you didn't want me to swear, but Ken says he calls it stupid shit. I go, what do you think of this? And he goes, stupid shit. Mm -hmm. You know, don't do stupid, don't do stupid shit. Like that is just dumb. Like why would not, not just particularly talking to me, but like something that maybe was older, like, Hey, were, you know, do you remember how this thing came about? Why? I don't even want to waste the energy. It was dumb. You know, like that was just some stupid thing that somebody thought they'd, they'd try or do. And, uh, Good idea, Ferry. Hands on the shoulder. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I think at the end of the day, um, I agree there are uh, – the back of my course handout, I've got about 60 names of guys with their email addresses. They're either personal friends or uh, gentlemen that I tra have trained with and respect. Uh, and, and it's people I know personally, and I tell them, depending on where you're at, here are dudes across the country or schools or, or – um, ranges that have trainers. These are resources. Go, go there because, uh, it's important. But at the end of the day, I think we've also created this weird situation. Is it better to go get, go to like four or five classes with you over the course of a year and then just build on that and maybe take a, a course a year? Or is it better to be like one of these guys that goes to 30 classes a summer. I know guys I see at classes for the last decade, either in my courses or us as co-students in courses. And this person never has gotten any better. Yeah. And they're just, they're just there to like, it's fun. It's, it's like summer camp away from the family and kids. It depends on the person, but I think that's great that you do that and you have them all listed in there. Cause like, I, I'm a big believer that you will not hear me bad mouth 
just like go out there and talk crap about some instructor or jump on the internet and bash somebody because of what they're doing or anything else. Like, uh, there's, I got no time for that. And I think it, it's counterproductive for our entire community. And the idea that yeah, what we need to be doing is like defending the second amendment, right? Like that's what, that's what's most important to me. And any action that I take in the firearms world, training or whatever, my first thought needs to be like, is this a good thing for helping propel the second amendment? You know, and, and if the answer is no, then it's out immediately anyway. So, I think that's awesome because I, I think we can be much. There's there's plenty of students. There's a, with all the instructors and all the different thousands out there. There is enough people out there who need training. Just maybe they're not reached yet. Maybe they are. Um, we could fill up all of our classes every single weekend t- to freaking eternity, right? So we're much better off if we tie Agreed. our nets together and we cast it. and We catch more of these people who need us, who need our information, who need our help. And and if it's if you're anything like me, I grow from my students all the time, whether they're brand new or they're very experienced. Um, but I I have some growth in in the class in in many different ways. Um, I, I I think in a lot of ways I I used to not have a lot of patience. I think teaching new shooters and, and teaching people that I know the exact problems they're going to have every weekend. I know every problem. Handgun class, I can tell you what I'm going to have to focus on and teach because I know what every shooter is going to do. Like, I have the answer. Sure. We, we, we already know. That's not even a challenge because we, we already know what it's going to be. Um, so still going out there and doing that and having the conversation again with a different person and putting that conversation in context and a perspective that they can understand because of their lifestyle and what they do and what they've done before and everything else and tailoring that uniquely for each individual or group or both. Uh, you have to have patience to do that. You have to. Um, and that's, that's helped me grow that side of things. So there's a lot of ways out there that, that doing this has enhanced me uh, while I've hopefully enhance, helped enhance some other people out there. Mickey, where can people go that. find you to get a little bit extra enhancement online, jump in a class with you or anything like that? Grinder, Yeah. Grinder.com. <laughs> Carrytrainer.com uh, is our website, C-A-R-R-Y-T-R-A-I-N-E-R.com. Uh, We're Carry Trainer on YouTube, Carry Trainer on Instagram, Carry Trainer on Facebook, Carry Trainer on Twitter. So it's pretty... Uh, pretty easy to get a hold of. My phone number's published. You can call me. You can talk. Uh, I, I, the last statement you made is exactly why I do what I do. It's, it's selfish. I get as much out of, of the time spent with people. And I've forged some very excellent relationships with people that I've met on training ranges and, and on mats. And, uh, you meet, you meet, I, I feel some of the best people in the world. I think people that train, uh, for the reasons you discussed to be, to be better protectors. Uh, I feel that those that train are better. Uh, my wife sometimes argues. She goes, just because you train, it doesn't make you better. I go, it does though. It makes you a better person. And people that don't train, not that my wife doesn't train, but she doesn't want me to get egotistical. People that don't train, don't understand, but subjecting yourself to that crucible of growth is what makes us, uh, helps us grow and it helps us to, to develop humility. It helps us mm-hmm. to develop uh, an understanding that I'm not the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, I've, I've walked into classes before a decade ago, 12, 15 years ago, thinking like, <laughs> and seen some, some little old guy smoke me 
on a drill or on some, you know, course of fire. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I thought I was really good at this. And so you subject yourself to that. And it makes me also your point of uh, developing self-control. I have seen what other humans are capable of. I have seen 50, 60 year old men destroy 20 year old men on a mat. Uh, the, a 20 year old that's physically fit and intimidating. I've seen a 55, 60 sure. year old man just literally overpower and, and destroy a kid that should be a, a, you would think looking at him, huge muscles and all the stamina. I now, because of exposure to that, no, I look mm-hmm. at somebody that I don't know what that person's capable of. I know what I think I'm capable of. I know what ends I'm willing to go to win for righteous reasons. But I think people that subject themselves to training make themselves better. I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's where I think I said it earlier, the, where the growth comes from. It's not from being comfortable. Yeah. It's not from going out there and, and doing that same thing, shooting that same video for Instagram, doing that same drill that you're good at. That one of four drills that you're good at. You know that you don't even really know why you're doing that drill. Not you, just the people out there in general. On Instagram. I know what you mean. Um, it's just that that stuff doesn't matter, man. I, I need to, to need to get out there and work on those things that I'm not great at. You know, even sometimes I if agree. they're not the most likely to be used, it's the act of doing that that's keeping me honest. It's keeping me growing. That's it's, it's keeping me in the right mindset. That kind of thing. Man, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I, I, I we would definitely have to have you back on. Uh, talk about some stuff. I think there's a lot of topics we could probably tackle together. And I like that you talked a lot and I didn't have to talk as much. So that was even better. So uh, I really appreciate it, Mickey. I appreciate you having me out. It was a good discussion. Awesome. Thank man. you. Um, anything that, that anybody needs to see about you? We talked about the website or anything or somebody that you would like anybody to know that uh, uh, we, we run some great training events uh, that, which I, you know, I think if anybody looks up our stuff, they'll see those. We own a, product line i was drinking out of the water bottle gunfighter gun oil made in the usa uh lubes which i don't self selfless plug uh some of the top quality stuff some of the some of some of the highest quality lubricants firearm cleaners and uh uh, oils on the market Uh, some some very well-known gunsmiths use this stuff and swear by it and some armors for from some uh SMUs use it like at the highest echelons of special operations, which is meaningful. It's very high quality stuff. So we do that as well. We've been using it a little bit uh, here, just shaking it out a little bit, checking it out. The ones you sent us and uh, Mm -hmm. something you want to start carrying a gun mag, but yeah, it's been good. There is, there is uh, the only complaints I've ever get from anybody is uh, something silly. Like um, I wish it cost half as much. Well, too bad. Good stuff. Good stuff's not cheap. There's a, a sign at the butcher shop in the town I grew up in. It says, good meat's not cheap and cheap meat's not good. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, I, I'm easy to find. Anybody that's interested, we've got a podcast as well, Higher Line Podcast. We talk with uh, cool people like you and others. Uh, train around the country. We've got the lube and uh, trying to put out good content based on the totality of our experiences in life to, to make people or give people a better chance at living a good life man that's awesome love it guys out there thanks for hanging out and listening and uh we'll see you next time and until then the mag life out all right i'm gonna stop recording but don't hang up on me